My name is Governor Watts. I am a lawyer licensed to practice in California, and you are listening to the Governor Watts Free Speech Law and Video Game Music Podcast Bonanza. On today's episode, I'm going to answer a question that many of you have. Is Citizens United good or bad? Well, you're probably not actually asking this question because you've already made up your mind. But you've made it up without ever reading Citizens United, the Supreme Court case from 2010, which has entranced comedians like Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart, who also have clearly not read the case. So today I read Citizens United so you don't have to. There are a couple principles that the average person thinks Citizens United stands for. I'm going to talk about three of them. Number one, is money speech? Number two, did Citizens United say that corporations are people? And number three, did Citizens United say that corporations have the rights to free speech? First question, is money speech? No, money is not speech, but you are asking the wrong question. It is obvious to anyone that money is not speech. Money is money. Speech is speech. And so, if you ever hear someone say that Citizens United stands for the point that money is speech, that person is setting up a straw man argument for the purpose of criticizing Citizens United. Citizens United didn't say that money is speech because that is ludicrous. Money is not speech. However, money enables speech. This is what I mean by that. Imagine that if I told you that I passed a law and it said that you are allowed to write a book, but you can't spend any money on that book. You can't buy any pencils or papers, but you can write all the books you want. You just can't spend a penny on any supplies for it. Or if I told you that you could speak at all the rallies and protests you wanted, but you could spend nothing on signs or flyers or megaphones, and you could travel to any protest in the country, you can go to the Women's March in Washington, D.C., but you cannot spend any money on airfare to get there. Now, clearly, pencils are not speech. Airfare is not speech. Megaphones and signs and flyers are not speech. Books aren't speech. Books are books. Speech is speech. If you want to get right down to the dictionary definition of what speech is, you're making a verbal utterance with the intent of communicating something, and anything other than that is not speech at all. But in the world that we live in, where you need resources to get your message across, you must spend at least some amount of money if you're going to have anyone other than the people in your own house able to listen to you. One final example here, and this is the one that is most relevant to Citizens United. Imagine if I told you that you could, you could make political movies, movies with a political bent, like Fahrenheit 9-11, for example. But you could spend nothing on cameras, or you could spend nothing on distribution. You could spend nothing on advertising. And you can't make the movie within a certain number of days of an election. You can't film movies, can't, can't spend any money on movies 30 days before an election because that was the issue in Citizens United. 
But I'll get more to that later. Let's talk about the second point, the second question that people criticize Citizens United for. Did Citizens United say that corporations are people? No, it didn't. That wasn't a question. That was not a question that was addressed by the Supreme Court in Citizens United. And just like money is not speech, obviously corporations aren't literally people. They are groups of people. Corporations are a legal fiction. A corporation is what happens when a group of people decides that they want to form an organization and they want that organization to have a separate uh, a separate personality from themselves for liability purposes. So, for example, when, uh, when Mitt Romney said in a speech, corporations are people, my friend, and so he got mocked mercilessly by Stephen Colbert for that, he wasn't technically wrong. Corporations are groups of people. He didn't explain that correctly, but think about them. They are. What is Walmart? Walmart isn't some robot. Walmart consists of shareholders who've contributed money to this group of people. It consists of a board of directors, a CEO, officers, a chief financial officer, a treasurer. It consists of lawyers that make sure that the other people that are working for this organization are all complying with the law. It consists of contractors who enter the corporation and leave. They, it consists of agents, people that they, they pay to do work. And it consists of tens of thousands of average workers. They are all part of what we call the Walmart Corporation. Now, remove all the people from that. Remove all the people from Walmart. And what do you have? You don't have Walmart. You don't have anything. You, you have nothing. A corporation is a group of people. And if you think it's not... Think about the way that you react to these corporations. You hate Walmart. Why? Because the Walmart group of people pays some of the other people in Walmart less money than you would prefer. Well, I mean, this is assuming you support the minimum wage and, and want the people at Walmart to get a lot of money. But if you hate Walmart, there's a reason for it. And the reason is the people that make up Walmart are doing things that you don't like. If you uninstalled Uber because the CEO of Uber hates or loves Donald Trump, which is what some people think about the guy who's the CEO of Uber, you did that because of what Uber, a group of people, is doing. If you like Lyft uh, instead of Uber, again, it's because of what the group of people that make up Lyft are doing. If you hate Chick-fil-A, if you decided to boycott them because their owners, uh, their leaders were against gay marriage, you did that because you don't like the people that make up the corporation called Chick-fil-A. So no, corporations are not people. People are people. But when people get together and pay a fee to the government, they can organize themselves in different ways. They could be a limited partnership. They could be an LLC, a limited liability company. They could be a corporation. They could be a trust. They could be any number of different groups. You, you could be an anarchist collective. Read Monty Python or go, go watch Monty Python and you'll, you'll uh, see them. They, do, they have a good joke in Monty Python and the Holy Grail about a, a, a syndico anarchist uh, collective. That's a, that's a group of people. Do, do syndico anarchist collectives have free speech rights or rights in general? Are they people? 
No, they're not people. They're groups of people, just like a corporation. That leads me to the third question. Do corporations have free speech rights? Well, it's, it's complicated, but generally, no. The corporation doesn't have free speech rights. It's the people in the corporation that have free speech rights. And they don't lose their free speech rights simply because they decide to group themselves together as a corporation instead of as an unincorporated association or an LLC or a limited partnership or uh, a marriage or any other group of people. People have free speech rights no matter how they're organized. Let's think of the smallest group possible. Think of me and you. If you and I want to notify our neighbors of some political thing that we think is important, let's say it's impeach Trump. We want to go get our neighbors to impeach Trump. And so the two of us walk around our neighborhood and knock on people's doors. Do we have the right to do that? Is that free speech? Is that part of our free speech? Yes, of course. Now let's say we, we gather a, a third guy. His name's Fred. Me, you, and Fred. Me, you, and Fred are now splitting up the work. We're going around the, neighbor, the, the neighborhood, knocking on doors, getting people to support impeaching Trump. And in the process, we are so convincing that we recruit another 10 people. So now we've got 13 people going around the neighborhood knocking on doors. And those people say, hey, why don't we write down what we believe and why, and we can hand out those flyers. And so we pool our money together, and we buy flyers together. And we come up with a joint statement of our purpose and what we think is uh, the truth. And we go around, and we hand it out to people in our neighborhood and try to get people to impeach Trump. And then one guy decides to protest us. So we get mad at him, and we talk about him in our newspaper. We say, hey, this guy is a Trump supporter, and uh, here's why he's wrong. And we call out the guy by name. But now he's, he's mad at us. Now, now we're thinking, oh, no, what if he sues us for something, for defamation? Well, he, he'd have to sue all of us, and we'd all be equally liable. And some of us have kids. Some of us have uh, houses. We have families. We, we, don't, we have jobs that we have to go to. We don't have time to deal with a lawsuit from this guy. So we decide, well, what if we, we make a uh, company out of it? Because when you're all working together without forming a corporate forum, you're by, by default, you're a general partnership in California, which means that you are all equally liable for anything that anyone does if you're engaged in the endeavor together. So to avoid that, to avoid um, everybody getting sued for handing out these flyers, we form an LLC. Now, we're all employees of the LLC, and we're going out and we're handing out the flyers. And uh, yes, we can still be liable individually if we do things that are outside of the realm of what the LLC's purpose is. But as long as we're staying within the purpose of our employment of the LLC and we're handing out the flyers that the LLC has printed, then we're not liable for something like defamation individually. The LLC would be liable for defamation. Generally, this is, it's all, it gets really complicated, but basically that's what we would be doing. We'd form an LLC to try to limit our liability. We'd form a corporation to limit our individual liability because we've decided that there is a greater purpose to what we're doing and we want the, uh, the group to continue even if one of us drops out. So if there's a, a general partnership, if somebody drops out of a general partnership, oftentimes you have to dissolve the whole partnership and redistribute all the money and the funds. So anytime someone quit this political action group that we've created, if we don't form a corporation, then we might legally have to divide up all the money divide up all the flyers, go our separate ways, and then decide to rejoin and recreate the thing again. So if, if, unless you want this continual, re continual cycle of, uh, of dissolution and coming back together, 
um, under the law, uh, then you're going to want to have a, a corporation of some sort. Let's talk about the facts of Citizens United a little bit so you, you understand. In Citizens United, at issue was a 2002 campaign finance law, often called the McCain Finance, uh, McCain-Feingold <laughs> law, which banned electioneering communications. Electioneering communications means any broadcast, cable, or satellite communication that refers to a clearly identified candidate for federal office, and it's made within 60 days of an election or 30 days before a primary election or a convention or a caucus of a political party that has the authority to nominate a candidate for federal office. So if I made a 30-second commercial saying John McCain is cool within 60 days of a general election, that would be a banned electioneering communication if I used a corporation to make that, that advertisement. If I made a TV advertisement that said John McCain voted to repeal Obamacare. And if I did that within 30 days of a presidential primary uh, election or a, and he was running for president, that would be banned. So basically the 2002 McCain-Feingold Act banned any criticism of candidates for federal office within two months of the, of the election. You know, in some countries, like Britain, that's the only time when there ever is any criticism of the, of the candidates on TV is within two months of the election. And, and it, this, so this applied to corporations and unions and nonprofits. So the corporations, they were subject to this law that weren't allowed to speak for 60 days before an election included the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, NPR, Breitbart, MSNBC, the Teamsters, the AFL-CIO, Obama for America. These are, these are corporations that would be banned from speaking within two months of an election. So can you imagine the, the effect that that would have, the, the chilling effect, and also the effect on in, uh, incumbents? So I, if you're not aware in Congress, uh, like something like 98% of Congress is reelected every year. And that's in large part because of name recognition and the fact that people know their congressperson. And even if they hate everyone else in Congress, they like their own representative. The, the elections bear this out. And there's horrible gerrymandering, of course. So whoever is the incumbent person in a gerrymandered district is probably going to survive. The way to beat them is to spend more money than the incumbent. And you can do that sometimes with self-financed candidates or sometimes with candidates that get a lot of uh, campaign contributions or that have that benefit from independent expenditures from unions, for example. So if you had a, a really progressive Democrat that wanted to either unseat a moderate Democrat or go up against a Republican, they might not be able to raise enough money themselves, but they could have independent expenditures from unions who support them or the ACLU or somebody like that. Those were the facts of Citizens United. And in Citizens United, what was at issue there was a movie about Hillary Clinton. It was a movie made by a company called Citizens United that was going to be shown on DirecTV to people who paid for it. So this wasn't even on broadcast television or, or uh, even cable where it's shoved into your face if you're flipping through the channels. You had to specifically seek this thing out and pay money and download it and watch it. Okay, But because it was on cable or satellite, 
technically, it was an electioneering communication, and they weren't allowed to do that. They weren't allowed to release this movie within uh, 60 days of an election. So they sued, saying that this violated their free speech rights. And in the oral arguments, if you if you think, oh, well, that's, you know, it's just a movie, uh, and, and uh, it's kind of, I mean, it was really biased against Hillary, so, so yeah, maybe this should be banned. Let me tell you what the government said at oral argument. They were asked, the government was asked, if, if the government, hey, government, if you can ban a movie from being released within 60 days of an election, could you ban a newspaper article? Could you ban a book? Could you ban the release of an anti-Hillary book within 60 days of an election? And the government said, yes, we have the power to do that. We, we think that we can control any amount of money that's spent in these campaigns. And so, yeah, we can ban books. We can ban books. I don't know of many other times where the government has literally said, the federal government has said we can ban books. This is one of those times. And that is the logical ex extension of the power that was asserted by the Federal Elections Commission. Here, if you can ban a movie within 60 days of a general election, you can also ban a book. There's no substantive difference between a, a movie and a book. Both of them are creative. Both of them have an expressive quality to them. And both of them cost money to create. They cost money to publish, money to print, money to distribute, money to advertise. And so that brings me back to my first point in this podcast. Is money speech? No, money's not speech, but you're asking the wrong question. Money enables speech. Money lets you make movies, and it lets you write books. And unless you want the government to have the power to ban books, you got to stop the government from having the power to ban movies, which means that Citizens United was correctly decided. People don't lose their free speech rights, especially their rights to criticize candidates for office, just because they decide to form a corporation instead of a general partnership. That's the takeaway from Citizens United. That's what you need to keep in mind whenever people bring that up. My name is Governor Watts. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast on Google Play or the iPhone, iTunes store, whatever it's called. I don't have one of those. Or go to SoundCloud and search for Governor Watts. I also have a YouTube account, youtube.com slash Governor Watts, and a Twitter, twitter.com slash Governor Watts. Send me questions if you have ideas for future episodes at governorwatts at gmail.com. And now, video game music.